to another episode of the History of the Bay podcast, sponsored by the good people of Amoeba Music, San Francisco, and the folks of Dying Breed, San Francisco, behind the lens. We got Rocky Vision. We got King Said. We got the producer, Skino, in the cut on the boards. Once again, we got DEO. And today, we got a special guest, a low-key Frisco legend. Doesn't give the props he deserves all the time, but we're going to give him his props today. The one and only DJ X1. Thank you for having your boy, Phil. Come on, Appreciate. man. Come on, man. Mandatory, brother. Mandatory. Yeah, yeah. Me and you go back a ways. You've always been very supportive of everything I've been doing, whether it's music or the or the history joint or the podcast. Uh, I'm uh, I'm a fan of, of your work, and uh, I want people to know your story, man. That's what's up, man. Well, I definitely got a little something to tell the folks, man. You know, a lot of cats ain't knowing, you know, my story of how I, you know, began to get in the game, you know, how I looked up on a lot of the MCs, and, you know, so I'm going to let you guys know today, man. That's right. Let's start at the very beginning. Take us back to... Tell the people where you grew up and uh, what your childhood was like. Well, I grew up in um, Fillmore, San Francisco, born and raised, born right there in Mount Zion Hospital. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, man, I grew up in uh, when Fillmore was just really grimy, man, back in the days. You know, we talking like the late 80s, you know what I'm saying, early 70s. I mean, late 70s, early 80s, you know what I mean? And um, Fillmore was a bad area, man. That's we have Fillmore Slim out there really doing his thing heavy like, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, the neighborhood was real bad, man. It was real bad. It was like one of the, like, probably the roughest neighborhood in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You know? Then I came up and, um, you know, doing my thing. And then um, I got into DJing, man, probably like in, um, i say 1988. Something like that. That's when I started DJing. You know what I mean? But before that, you know, I was a dancer. Actually, a lot of people don't know I used to dance. I used to be a strutter, man. I was in two dance groups. I was in a group called Mighty the Mechanical Midgets. Okay. People probably know about that. Then I was in a group called Granny and the Roper Choice. Okay. So I used to um, dance battle against a lot of cats. Cats used to come pay me, man, just to battle against dude because my thing, I was a popper. Mm-hmm. I used to pop real hard. So, yeah, man, I was a dancer before I even got into the music. Then later on, when I stopped dancing, that's when the music and the DJing thing came along. A lot of cats have come on the show and talked a lot about that whole strutting scene. Like, uh, shout-out to the homie Pop-Tart. Matter of fact, we did an event with, with Pop-Tart. I think it was for your birthday a couple years ago. We did. On, we did. on Filmo. That was dope. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a pre-Juneteenth thing we had did. Right, right, know? right. Um, but, yeah, th- that comes up a lot on this show. Like, a lot of people got their start before hip-hop was really booming. People was into the dancing and the strutting, like, specifically. Especially in film mode, it seems like. Yeah, and see, that's our history, man, you know, because we got our own style of dancing. Like, you know, the East Coast, they was more into break dancing. Mm-hmm. But here in the West Coast, specifically the Bay Area, we was more into strutting, um, pop locking, and boogalooing. That was our thing. Right, 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 right. So what what was your first exposure to, to hip-hop uh, besides, like, the dance part that we're talking about? As far as the music part, man, I got introduced to um, hip-hop actually in the mid-'80s. I say around 88, something like that. And it all started, man, my um, partner, Tony Tone. We was we was just partners. We was riding our bikes downtown, you know, little bad kids just getting off into stuff. And we ran through this building. And this building, man, happened to be KPLO. 
He used mm. to be in the alley in Notoma Street, you know what I mean, back in the early 80s. So, you know, we just wanted to go in there and see what's up with it because it had a lot of interesting paintings on the outside of it. So we went in the inside. Uh, we met this dude named Otis. He was the engineer at the time. So, you know, he, he took us and embraced us and like, yeah, young fellas, come on in. Check it out. We asked what it was. He said it was a radio station. So, you know, we got to looking around and... After that point, man, we started hanging out there almost every day. And I started meeting so many cats that actually worked there. The first cat I met was this dude named Lamar Player. You know, I met Dude, and after I met him, I met Frankie J. Then some other cats named Tim and Durf, and they all did hip-hop shows. This before hip-hop really got popular when Rappers Delight and um, Fatback Band first came out. King Tim the Third actually was the first hip-hop record I heard before Rappers Delight. It was King Tim the Third by the Fatback Band, which is actually an um, R&B group. But they had a DJ, a radio disc jockey on there, and he's the one that did the rapping. Hmm. So, yeah, that's the first thing I went into. And, um, yeah, so that's actually how I got into DJ, man. It's from going to KPL, seeing them guys do their thing, and then it inspired me and my boys. So we put our little money together, man, bought us a little tape deck, bought us a little turntable and a little mixer, and we started doing our thing. Okay, okay. So were there other, like, DJs in the area, too, that you, like, in the city that you were looking up to or learning from, or were you just figuring things out as you as you went? Yeah, man, it was a lot of cats we used to look up to, man. Um, you know, one dude we used to actually um, check out was a cat named Stills the Bill. Now, one thing about Stills the Bill, man, Stills the Bill was a dude, he used to do parties in a U-Haul van. That's actually where Lonnie Green got it from. Damn. From Stills the Bill. So he used to do parties in a U-Haul van. He used to park over um, in a lot by Virgos. And, you know, he used to put his little speakers out, and he walked off with two tape decks. So they have two tape decks, man, and rocking, and everybody used to come and skate. You know, Shelby was like this big yoke guy, but he was a really great skater. So dude used to skate around, man, and used to have the neighborhood popping. You know, so that was one dude that we kind of looked at that I kind of liked it, that I looked up to when I was younger. Another guy was... um. Dr. Funk. I don't know if Cass heard of him, but he go by the name of Dr. Funk. Some people know him as High Top. He used to work out Wild 107 think, at one I time. I think he was also at that event that I was just talking about that we did uh, on Fillmore. I think he probably was well. Yeah. You know, because yeah. he, he's still hanging the Fillmore every now and then. Yeah. But that guy, man, one thing about him, whenever he did his gigs, all the ladies flocked to his events. So he had all the women just coming to his thing, and, you know, that's one guy I used to always look up to. He had all the jams, all the females, and a big crew. Mm-hmm. And then uh, um, the cat that actually put me on was Big Bob. Mm-hmm. That's my guy, man. You know, when I was younger, I told dude that I'm trying to, you know, get off in the DJ. Me and my partner, Tony Tone, we linked up with him. He used to let me come into the house, make tapes, mix on his little, um, on his mixer and his little turntables. And, you know, he's the first dude to actually let me do a party in front of people. So I give much love to Big Bob. And then the last dude I love, that Tommy Lou Summers, was a guy named DJ Electric Black. Mm. He passed away, R.P. to Electric Black. But this dude, he used to uh, build his own speakers, had like four 18 inches in the speakers. And this dude, he the one that got me into quick mixing. Because this dude, he'll mix a record in, he'll mix the record out so fast. I'm like, dude, you even let the record play. But that was his style. So I kind of emulated that coming from him. But I got to give Grandmaster Flash props to that because he the one started off the quick mix theory, which I didn't know till later on in life. Yeah, so them the, them the two, them the four main guys that actually, you know, got me into DJing, who I was inspired by. What, what were your names, your DJ names before X1? My first name I started off with was um, Scratchmaster T. That's hard. <laughs> the other thing I did was just do a lot of scratch. Me and my boy, we just did. We actually was a tag team DJ 
um, screw. He'll put stuff in the mix. He's like, here, come take a break, break, and he keep going back and forth, and I keep doing the scratching over it, and we'll switch off, and I do the same, and he'll start doing the scratching. But it started off as Scratch Master T, then later on, I changed to DJ Rock. And I think I kept that name for about probably two years, and that's actually when I first linked up with Huey. But I changed the name from DJ Rock to, to DJ X1 because DJ Rock, there was another guy named DJ Easy Rock. So I didn't want to sound like him, so I needed to have something that was different and ain't nobody got. So that's how I got the name DJ X1. Okay, so that's the trick. We'll get into this more a little later because, you know, when I, I we had Huey in here a couple weeks ago, and I noticed that It's the Game was Huey MC and DJ Rock. Yeah. And I didn't realize that that was you. Yeah. I, I thought he might have, I didn't, I forgot to ask him about it, but I didn't realize, so I thought he might have had another DJ before you. So y'all was always a duo. We was always a duo. Uh, I, I was Huey's first DJ. Because okay. um, Huey used to DJ himself. You know, yeah, he was yeah, a DJ himself. That. Yeah, But he needs somebody to DJ while he do the performance, and that's when me and him linked up. And yeah, I, I, DJ Rock was my name, but when we first linked up with It's The Game, which is a classic, hot song, man. I love that song. I love that song, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, then it changed to um, DJ Rock. I changed to that name later on when I became a Muslim. Because I used to be a Muslim um, with the Nation of Islam mm. under the teaching of Mr. Farrakhan. And they had a pretty big presence in the uh, in the mall, right? What's that? The, the Nation had a pretty big presence in, in Filmo, right? Yes, they did. Yeah. The Lawrence presence. They used to have a um, they used to have a mall's action on Octavia Street. I think it was Octavia and Hay, something like that, before they moved to Hunters Point. Right. And that's when I got into them when they was on Octavia Street. But that's where the name um, X1 came from. And X1 actually have a meaning to it. A lot of people don't know. And what the meaning of DJ X1 is, DJ is, of course, what I am. X, because you know a lot of um, African Americans in America don't know their original name, like Malcolm X and mm-hmm, stuff like mm-hmm. that. So the X becomes the, because um, the African American don't know our original name, we took on the European name. With Richard, Jefferson, 80, stuff like that. That's all European names. So that's where the X come from. The one to become the black man is the first man on this planet. We're the original man. So that's where the one come from. So, yeah, that's what DJ X1 mean, man. And a lot of cats don't know that. Nobody nah, actually really know that. That's dope. That makes sense, too, because I believe right one thing that the nation did, right, they would have, like, let's say you have, uh, uh, let's say you have, uh, Thomas X, right? Yes. But then if there's two Thomas, it would be Thomas X2. Yep. yep. Right? That's why they have a Clarence 13X yeah. is the founder of the 5% Nation. That's right, over right. in the East Coast. Right, right, right. Okay, so I didn't I didn't know that. That's dope. That's that's some, some rare Frisco trivia right there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we we just uh, mentioned his name. How, how did you hook up with uh, Huey MC? Me and Huey got linked up because um, he was looking for a DJ. And he had heard about me throughout the neighborhood because I used to make a lot of mixtapes and give mixtapes to my homie. Um, you know, I used to DJ all the little block parties and stuff at the culture center. So, you know, one day me and him had met and we chopped it up. And then, you know, he asked if I wanted to be his DJ. I'm like, yeah, man, why not? Because I already knew who Huey was. I had some of his underground songs. So, yeah, so we linked up. And the first uh, uh, this first song we did was It's the Game. That's the first time he took me to the studio. And then after that, man, we just kind of linked up and um, started making some good music from that point on. So were you doing some of the production Yes. On Insta Game? Yes. On Insta Game, actually, that's a joint he did solo before I he got did all that, that with him. But he just put your name on it, on yeah. the strength. Because yeah. y'all were a group, basically. At that time. It's kind of, that's like some old school hip-hop shit. It's like Guru and DJ Premier, right? That's a group. There's a lot of uh, groups that was like, the DJ was part 
of the group back then. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my production started coming in is actually after we did a um, song called Pimp Style. So we did Pimp Style, you know, so I usually come with the bass lines to scratch in, and he would come with the drums in the arrangement. And from that point, you know, that's how all of our music was. Like, we did, like, um, Game Somatic. I came with all the scratching. I came with the bass line. He came with the kick drums and arrangement. And the same with uh, my poetry and Game Somatic and all that stuff, you know. So all the bass lines was me, and the scratch was me. Then all the arrangements and drum kicks was him. Right, 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 right. So when he was here, we were talking about the impact that the H nigga groove had. Keep a bitch broke. Yeah. That joint was one of our biggest records, man. That joint was one of our biggest records. And it's crazy because we wasn't expecting that song to take off. We had put more work into Gangstomatic. So we actually thought Gangstomatic was going to be the joint, but it was H nigga groove. So when that joint took off, we're like, okay, we're going to ride with that one. And that joint, you know, just ended up being a classic Frisco joint. Bay Area, West Coast classic. Yeah, yeah for sure. What was um, the response like? Like, were you seeing like, oh shit, I'm seeing some success in this music. My name is getting out there. Were you starting to see things come together for you? Yes, because I noticed once we started coming out with the singles, man, um, a lot of cats started booking us for shows. Um, a lot of cats started getting at me for a production. You know what I'm saying? Because I produced a song for Cool Nut. A lot of people don't know that, but I did a song for Cool Nut called Listen. Mm. That's off of, I can't remember the single that it was off of, but I did the song called Listen. And then I actually produced an um, uh, EP for my boy called The COD from Betrayal Hill. So I produced um, that whole joint, the kick drums, um, everything. The same with um, the joint I did for Kuna. But my dope boy, DJ Rob V, he did the scratching on there. So when you hear the cuts, that's all DJ Rob V. Shout out to Rob V from IMP. That's my guy, yeah. Yeah. So when, when we've, we've had a lot of Frisco rappers on the show, and there are other rappers who are out there doing the thing, but like really the two who set off the Frisco rap scene were QEMC and Kuna. I think probably in Fillmore, we was the first rap group in Fillmore that kind of jumped it off. Because after us, then came um, Rapping Fote. Mm -hmm. um, it was a lot of underground rappers. Of course, JT, the bigger figure, came along the line. And it's a few other rappers, man. But I think we was the first rap group out of Fillmore to get it jumping off. And Hunter's Point, they had like RBO Posse, um, you know what I'm saying, uh, Herm Lewis, and a lot of other cats that was doing anything. But they, they all came after you and Kugnet. I'm not for sure. I'm not for sure about Pretty that. Pretty sure, because you guys were in the 80s. Yeah. They didn't drop till the 90s. Yeah. So how did you first meet Kuna? Me and, we and Kuna was folks before he was even a rapper, because Kuna, he was actually from Fillmore before he moved to Lakeview. Hmm. He stayed in the same building as I stayed in, Prince Hall Apartments. He was actually my neighbor. So me and him, we actually used to just hang out, man, and just, you know, do teenage stuff. You know what I mean? And that's how me and Kuna linked up. And then when he moved to Lakeview, later on, I hooked up with him. He said, man, I'm rapping. I'm doing my thing. I'm like, really? And, you know, um, from that point, he started letting me get his music. Um, we actually still linked up, was chopping it up. And, you know, he just became his own man and created IMP. And, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. And you mentioned Fote, too. So were you seeing, like, Fote? Because Fote is, like, really, like, one of the first Frisco superstars. Yeah. Were you seeing his his rise 
back in those days, too. I did. Me and Forte used to actually hang out, man. You know what I mean? Forte used to come. I used to go over to his house, actually, and hang out with him. And this dude, man, he used to sit down at the kitchen table where the radio just freestyling. Just all day, just freestyling. You know, I'm like, man, you just doing it. You've been doing this all day. Like, yeah, this is what I do. But Forte, um, yeah, that's how me and him linked up. We used to just hang out and, um, you know, he just do, do his freestyle thing. And we just do teenage stuff, man. You know? That's dope. And then another person in, in the history lines that you mentioned too, JT, the bigger figure. Yes. You, you saw him from when he first started. Actually, um, I met Demo first. Okay. Demo was the first dude I met because I used to actually do, uh, not really beats, but I used to stand brace for Demo. I used to come over to the house. And back then I was doing um, tape deck edits. So I take a break and I just keep pause editing and made it long so Demo can do his freestyle over. So he used to come over to my house and just do his freestyles. Then later on, he introduced me to JT, the bigger figure. Mm. Then that's when me and JT started linking up. And, you know, then JT had put me under his wing because he was doing his thing. That's when he started to get low, you know, records. So JT put me under his wing, and I was actually JT's first DJ. Mm. A lot of cats don't know that, but I was actually JT's first DJ. I was his first promoter. I went and promoted his material over in Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi. I took his material down um, to L.A., and I um, actually promoted him all around the Bay Area because I was a promoter at one time. And, um, yeah, so, you know, that's how me and JT linked up. And I actually did a song for JT, too. I produced one track for JT. It was on a cassette tape. The cassette tape had, like, about six songs on it. I can't remember the name of the town. I don't even know if it had a name on it, but it's a black and white uh, cover with JT basically squatting oh, down with his cell phone. Oh, uh, that's was this, like, SFC on the rise or something like that? I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> but I did a track on there. It was more like an intro track on okay. there. So I did one track on there. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, me and JT been linked up from that point on, man. You know, and much love to JT, man. JT, he, he doing big things right about now. For sure. For sure. Shout out to JT, another guest that we had here on the podcast. So now we're talking like we're starting the early 90s, right? We're, like you said, RBL, Booming, all these other. Who are some of the other um, artists that you're seeing come out around this time? We also, um, also San Quinn. Mm-hmm. When San Quinn first started rhyming, San Quinn was actually on a label called Buck 50 Records with my boy Gigolo G and right. this cat named Steve Collins because they had a studio and they, was, they put his first album out. Mm-hmm. And actually had a song on that album. You know what I'm saying? But the song got pulled. I think JT had produced the song. He already had the song completed. So he had put his song. But I had a song on San Quinn's first album called Gangster Mentality. That was the name of the song, but it never really came out. It never manifested. Uh, anybody else that you were building with around this time, too? Then were the main cast that I was uh, mostly linked up with, man. But after I did promotion, I did do a lot of promotion. I did some promotion for this company called Ghetto Street Pass Promotion. Then we promoted music um, for Death Row Records when Death Row first came out. We promoted for Tommy Boy Records when they first came out. And um, a little bit of promotion for MCA Records. Okay, okay, okay. And we and one thing about me and Huey, when we toured, we used to tour with 415 Camp. You hmm. know, with Richie Rich, D-Log, and DJ Daryl. So we used to tour with them. Um, who was other groups? We used to tour with this group called the Killer Tribe out of Sacramento. So we toured with them. And it was like a light tour. Just a few little areas here in the Bay Area. We didn't leave out the Bay Area. Yeah. But yeah, there was so many cats that um, we actually toured with, man. It was a pretty good tour. And at a certain point, you and Huey MC kind of went your separate ways. Yeah, yeah. I think the reason why me and Huey um, split up 
Because we had much, we had we had so much success with the H Nigga Rude single, mm-hmm. I felt it was time for us to make an album. Mm. I'm like, man, we need to make an album, dog. I mean, we kind of pop in, you know what I mean? Everybody else at that time had their album out. RBO had their album out. IMP had their album out. You know, Forte had his album out. Forward Five Camp had their album out. And I'm like, man, we need to release an album. He didn't want to release an album. You know, he wanted to release the EP. You know what I mean? I'm like, man, we need to release this album, dog. We popping, you know what I'm saying? We can get features from all these cats that we linked up. We could have got features from RBO Posse, um, IMP, and everybody else, but he wasn't feeling that at the time. And when he wasn't feeling that, I was a little upset. I'm like, man, we should make an album. What are we doing? You know what I mean? So, so from that point on, I think we kind of went our separate ways. We had different creativity ideas. Yeah. But that's still my folks, though. We sure. still linked up sure. to this day. Anything he needs, you know, um, I got him. Anything I need, he got me. So we still family. But at that particular time, if you would have came out with the album, it would have been super fire. I know yeah. it would have been. Yeah, yeah, for sure. When did you start DJing on, on KPO? I started DJing at KPO while I was an intern in 1993. I became an intern, and I was just basically filling in for people. So one of the guys who I filled in for the most was my boy DJ G. He had the late night show, which I'm doing now from 10 to 2, and, you know, he was working a lot. So he was working so much, he wasn't able to make his show, so I kept filling in for him. And at that time, you know, um, my man JJ, which is the music um, the music director there now, he didn't want to say, man, you want to do this show? I'm like, sure, man. And that was actually in 98. You know, so I was actually an intern there for like probably five years before I got a chance to actually be on air. So 98 is when I actually got on air. And from that point, man, I've been on air just doing my thing strong ever since. That's crazy because that's also like where you got your start. That is. That's, yeah, that's so it's like all full circle. Yeah, yeah. So, for I mean, KPO is like really important because... It was like black-owned station. Yes. And they were the first station in the Bay Area to play hip-hop, correct? We was. I think one of the first DJs there to play um, hip-hop was actually Frankie J. Okay. He was one of the first cats to play hip-hop records. And then, you know, cats like Marcus Clemens came along and took it to another level. Um, My man KK Baby, he played hip-hop for a while. Um, a cat named DJ Chill. A lot of people forgot about DJ Chill, but DJ Chill was actually doing his thing, playing a lot of hip-hop also. So, but yeah, we got a strong history, man, of playing hip-hop, and we still, to this day, support Bay Area hip-hop. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, y'all been big, big, big supporters of me, yourself, yeah. and, and, and shout-out to uh, KBZ for Sheezy. Yeah, that's Rap my Snacks guy. Radio. That's my guy. Yeah, man. Um, and there are also, like, a lot of artists, like Too Short, RBL, have, like, said that, like, KPOO helped break their their records. Yeah. We was actually the first um, uh, station to play Two Show Records. We the first station to play um, MC Hammer record. E-40 don't know this, but we actually the first station to play E-40 records. Before KMEL was KMEL, used to be KSOL. Mm-hmm. It was more like contemporary rock. Mm-hmm. But we was playing hip-hop records at that time. You know, and um, yeah, so we broke a lot of records for everybody, man. Spice One, um, Drew Down, I mean, you name it, we broke their records, man. We was the first to play it. Yeah, every time I go there, I love seeing, like, all the pictures on the wall, the signed autograph posters, the records. I think, the, isn't there, like, a platinum Too Short record in there? We have two records, two platinum records that um, Too Short gave to the station. One by them, um, Digital Underground, Blessed with the Platinum Records. Um, 
Karen White, she um, she blesses with a platinum record, and Club Nouveau blesses with a uh, platinum That's record. Dope. So you know they show in Sir Mix a Lot. Sir Mix a Lot blesses also. We the first people person to break his record also. Yeah, people. I mean, every now nowadays hip hop is everywhere, and people don't understand like there weren't that many outlets. It was back in the day. It yeah. wasn't the early uh, the mid '80s and early '90s. It wasn't too many stations that was rocking hip hop. Matter of fact, they thought hip hop wasn't gonna last. Right, that was right, just right. A fad, fad, yeah. You know, and here it is. Is what 50 years later? 50 actually, years, man. Actually, more than 50 years, but that's another story. But you know, here it is 50 years later, you know, the top music um, thing in the industry. So, let me ask you this as a DJ, have you like, what do you think about the evolution of the San Francisco DJ scene? Like, were you tapping into what you mentioned you scratched back in the day, like you started scratching? Were you tapping into like what the Qberts and the Mixmaster Mics were doing? Were you because San Francisco DJing is like a whole separate big scene. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, I was. Actually, I had Qbert on my show a few months ago. Okay. You know, and Qbert came and blessed us, man, and did a, a good hour set. You know, and um, Qbert and Mixmaster Mike and all them, they was really doing their thing, man. They kind of took, um, actually, barrier DJs to another level because they got into the DMC um, DJ battles, and, you know, they started winning, and now they're known worldwide. Mm -hmm. So they did take it to another level. You know what I'm saying? We also got other DJs that was doing their thing, like DJ Durrell, like, a lot of people don't mention DJ Durrell, but DJ Durrell's a dope DJ also. A DJ Durrell from 415 yes. originally. He was doing dope his thing. Dope producer, he, dope he, DJ. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so he was doing his thing. And then, uh, you know, my, I can't forget about my man DJ Tony Tone, man. Because DJ Tony Tone was a dope DJ. Oh, he's still DJ today, but he left the Bay Area because he got into the service. So now he rocking over in Germany, um, Europe. He's stationed now over in North Carolina, so he's out there doing his thing at a radio station. But big up to DJ Tony Tone, man. He's been doing his thing for a while, along with me. That's what's up. That's what's up. What do you think are, like, some of the most important skills for a DJ to have? I think the number one thing for a DJ to have really is the mix. You know, so even more than the scratching the trick mix, you got to know how to mix. Because when you're doing a club party, you got to keep the music rolling. You know what I mean? You can't be having no bumpy bumps. You can't be off. So the main, the first thing is the mix. The second thing is your selection. You know what I mean? Because you got to have a good selection that everybody want to hear. And sometimes that can be hard because now a lot of people kind of program on what commercial radio play. So let's say, for example, somebody gave me a brand new record. I feel it's a slapper, but as I play it, since the people don't know it, they might not rock to it until they hear commercial radio play it. That's how... Um, Mac Dre used to be at one time because, um, you know, Mac Dre was popping so hard in the clubs, commercial radio didn't play so, um, at first until he started popping in the clubs. And he popping so hard in the clubs, they had to play his stuff. Right, right. So that's how Mac Dre kind of came up, you know. But, uh, yeah, that's the main thing you got to know how to do, man, is definitely have a mix, have a great selection, and then the trick mixing and the scratches like additive stuff. But it's really not too good to do too much trick mixing in the club because ain't nobody trying to hear that. They just want to dance. They just want to yeah, dance. They so keep, you, keep the party going. Yeah. Keep the energy up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit of scratching is cool, but the trick mixing is, is strictly for the DJ battles. Yeah. What do you think is the best way, what are some of the best things an artist can do to 
break their records and get their records to DJs? I think the best thing they should do is go to college radios. Yeah. Go to college radios, go to community radios like KPRO, and that's the best way because commercial radio is really not going to play your music unless you pay them. You pay them like $1,500 and they may give you some spins, but they're not going to play your music. For my experience, they're not going to play your music on the strip because it's good music, you know, because they go by a playlist. And companies, record companies, pay pay them to play certain songs, so they really don't have the freedom to play what they want to play. They got to play certain things. Now, on the mix shows, they may have a little freedom to play something different, but even on the mix shows, they got to play what's on that playlist. Right, 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 right. So that's the best thing is college radio. That's number one, college radios and community radios. You've been in the Frisco rap scene, hip-hop scene since the beginning. Yes, what do you think of what it looks like today and uh, who are some artists, whether they're uh, older or younger, who are some artists that are catching your attention right now? Let me see. It's, um, not too, to be honest, not too many. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I do like Neff the Farrell. Neff the Farrell got a crazy flow that I like. It's another guy it's called um, Nerdy Nate. I like originality. And this guy, Nate, if you haven't heard of Nerdy Nate, you got to check him out. This dude got a crazy style, man. He's original. Um... Who are some of the young cats that I that I like? Really, not too many, man. Not too many. Yeah. You know I me mean? because a lot of them sound alike. Mm-hmm. A lot of them got the same type music style. You know, it's like they're scared to be different. Right. And right. I be right. Telling, I said, man, y'all got to be different. Don't be scared to do different. You got to experiment and see what works. Right. And they all got the same sound. Um, rap about the same thing. You know, so I can kind of predict on what their whole album gonna sound like before it comes out. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you at the same time. I just let people rock. Yeah. You know, if that's what you like, if that's what you do, dope. Even if it's not for me, that's cool, but... Yeah, because times is different, and you know, yeah. everybody got their own little thing going on like our generation did, then the generation before us had their own thing going on. So, you know, you got to let them have the freedom to do their thing, you yeah. know? Yeah, but I mean, I will say this about you, man. Um, you've always supported me. Yes. You've always kept the door open. You, you've you played my... A lot of people hit, tell me all the time, I just heard I just heard your X1 show, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, I, I play you almost every week. Nah, I pr- appreciate every week, every that, bro. Week. I appreciate that, man. And I, I think uh, for an artist like myself, it's always dope to build with a DJ who's accessible. Yes. You know, who's down uh, down, to, down to earth. And um, anytime you've, you've hit me for stuff, I'll come through. Oh, yeah. And just like you came through here tonight. Yes. You know, um, so and, and one cat I do want to give a lot of uh, love, respect to man is Too Short. Of course, I think Too Short is one of the longest running MCs in the Bay Area. His style haven't changed not one bit since day one. He still got the same flow. Um, his beats may change up a little bit because when he first started, his music was kind of more slow tempo. Now it's more up tempo because you know it's all about the, the club scene. But much love to Too Short, man. He's you know to me, I call him the godfather of rap here in the Bay Area. I agree. I think every Bay Area rapper kind of owes something to Too Short. Yeah. Because he just let that set that blueprint of what the beat sound like, the type of descriptions we do about the Bay Area lifestyle. Yeah. And then I feel like damn near every rap cast started doing the same thing he did, just selling their music. Yeah. On yeah. a hand-to-hand basis or just going out there and getting it on their own. And I, he started that. He laid that foundation, so... You know, something I did notice, man, and like, um, 
Like back in the days, you know, people was heavy on the grind promoting their music. You know, they used to get like you. You still get stickers and stuff yes, like I that. Do. And put it out there. Mm-hmm. People used to um, sell their music out their trunks, have the CDs. I noticed a lot. Of people used to have posters up all around the Bay Area. Yep. I noticed a lot of people don't do that today. You know, nobody have no um, stickers. Nobody really have no posters up. Mm-hmm. You know, people ain't really getting on the grind trying to promote their music. You know, everything is just online, which is cool. You know what I mean? But I think they kind of lost the element of, you know, promoting themselves. And the same with the music here in the Bay Area. It's a few elements of hip-hop that a lot of artists is not doing. You still do it, but I know some artists don't have scratching in their music. You know what I'm saying? That's the part of hip-hop that's kind of being lost. Um, nobody have the beatboxing on their music anymore. Another element that's being lost, you know, and you know, that their beat is not really authentic. You know, their beats is more like trap beat, and that's really not a West Coast barrier sound, to be honest. Yeah, which is cool, but not when you're just doing what somebody else is doing and it's not your own type yeah. of thing. It's not, that can't really be your own voice if you're using somebody else's formula. Exactly, and a lot of people don't have their own sound. Like, when you listen to early Bay Area hip-hop, yeah. everybody had their own little sound. Even yeah. though they was probably doing more sample, everybody had their own sound. And none of it really sounded like other stuff from other parts of the country. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had a, then we came with the hyphen movement. That was our own sound. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, you know, I, I hate that the hyphen movement kind of died down. It's still here a little bit, but that was a really great sound. I like and that was a great time you know what I mean because we come up with our own dance style our own music and our own culture yeah that's what Quinn was just saying on uh, one of our last episodes that he felt it could have kept going yeah yeah, I think the best part about that time to me is that's the only time I've seen the entire Bay together. Yeah, yeah. Like, for real, for real. The artists, the, the people in the music, and the people in the streets, and just, it was a beautiful time to be. And it's an old, old hip-hop saying it was about love, peace, unity, and having fun. That's what everybody yeah. was doing. Zulu Nation. Zulu yes. Nation right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, about the promotion, I mean, I think uh, online is important, of course. Yes, it is. But we talk about this a lot, man. Like, you got to go out there and make connection with people. Exactly. You can't just be a floating head on Instagram all day and people never see you in person. Yeah. And uh, that is why I still do stickers and posters because I like to give, give stuff to people that they can hold on. Hold on to. Yes. Let's say I get somebody a sticker, they put it on their laptop, you know. Like, like I did. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, bro. And now, you know, thousands of people are going to see that sticker because it's on that laptop. Yes. And then they go online and they still see me online. Yes. So, I, yeah, I definitely, there's like an art to promotion. And I think uh, to really be a rap cat that's successful, you got to fall in love with that shit. Yeah. You got to get creative with it and look at it just as another creative outlet like your music. Yes. And I really miss, man, you know what I mean, the on-hand product, you know what I mean? Because nobody releases CDs. No, it's people out there really still rocking CDs. I know. It's people out there still rocking vinyl like myself. I know. You know, so I really miss the on-hand of having the vinyl and the CD, something you can look at, you know, and see who the producer is, see who the engineer is, see who's the guest vocalist, you know, the whole nine, I know. man. I know. People ask me how I know so much about, like, Bay Area history, and that's a big part of it. Just, yeah. just really reading the stuff that was inside the albums like since back in the day 
Yeah. And I know what you got. Amigos in the background, man. You know, that's that's a big up to Amigos because that's where I get a lot of my music from. Hell yeah. And it was one them was one of the few record stores that still sell vinyl and CDs to this day. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I got to give a lot of love to Amigo Records. I still rock with them right there on Hay Street. Of I course. go there and get my vinyl right now of today. Of course, of course, of course. Shout out to Amigo. That's a big institution. Yes. Yeah. And I like the, I miss the feeling of like having music in my hand. Yes. I think people take it for granted when like, it was just so different when you had to like go to find the product and now you appreciate it that more, right? And now you go on your phone and you're just like, all right, what do I want to listen to? And you could listen to any song in the world. Yeah. On your phone. Which that is cool, man. It's dope, but it doesn't it doesn't give you that same type of connection to and the it, music. And it doesn't last long, you know what I mean? It, yeah, because then you can you, just switch it off, right? Yeah. When you got a CD, you're like, I'm rocking with this one until it's scratched, and I yeah. got to buy a new CD. And you can have that in your collection like 10, 15 years from now. You can go back and look through your collection like, oh, man, remember yep. this CD? Yep. You can't do that with MP3s, you know no, what I mean? Because no. the MP3 is only on a hard drive, and even if it is on your hard drive, it can get lost in the files. Yep. You might not really trip that it's in your files. And you have nothing to look at to like, who is this artist? You know, who, who was on this album again? You really don't know. Right, 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 right. You know, and a lot of people don't download JPEGs, you know, because that's what they have, basically, no. JPEGs yeah, to show, yeah. you know, who the artist is. So, yeah, yeah man, I, I really miss that time, man, having an on-hand product. I really miss that time. Well, I'm glad that you're still doing your thing. Yes, sir. Still spending three nights a Three days a week, three days out of the week, you're on KPOO. And then um, I'm on Baylife Radio every yes. Tuesday. Shout from, out to Igor from Beats. 12 to 2. That's yes. my guy. Yes. So actually four days a week, you know. And Igor, you know, over at Baylife Radio is one of the few guys who break a lot of records himself. You yes, know what I mean? You're a barrier artist. Um, you got some music out. You know, lacing off to my boy, he definitely going to give you some love on there. Look, man, there's a lot. I know there's a lot of fans, but I know there's also a lot of artists that watch this show. Tap in. With X1. Tap in with KPOO. That's Tap us, in man. with Igor Beats and Bay Life Radio. Tap in with any DJ, OG, youngster, whoever's doing it. Free play, free play radio, whatever outlet there is. And tap in with folks like X1 that's on the ground level, that got their ear to the street, that got experience, that can give you that good feedback. And let's keep this thing going because I believe DJs, artists, we all got to work together. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Man. Can I plug myself, man? That like, Come on. like, well, they can check me out, man. You know, so y'all, y'all want to hear our rockers? You haven't heard me. You can check me out every Tuesday on Bay Life Radio from twelve to two. You know, what I mean, that's BayLifeRadio.com. You can check me out every. Um, Friday night on KPLO 89.5 from 10 p.m. to 2. You can check me out there. Every Saturday, the soul of R&B. All soul R&B music from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today. And, of course, on Sundays from 3 to 7, the Bombay mix, um, you know, today's hip-hop. And what's the best way for someone to send you their music? Um, The best way, man, is um, the Bombay mix. That's T-H-E. B-O-M-B-B-A-Y-M-I-X at yahoo.com. There you have it, y'all. We have a living legend. This is a San Francisco treasure, a San Francisco icon, someone who's been incredibly supportive of me and everything I do, and I'm I'm happy to be here supporting him. This is a guy, if he calls me, I pull up for X1. Thank you, brother, for coming through, man. I appreciate you, man. Let's keep rocking. That's what's up. For sure. Thank you to everybody. Everybody, man, I'm getting feedback everywhere I go. People love the podcast. They love the interviews. They always want to see different people on here. I appreciate y'all, man. 
We're keeping it lit. History of the Bay podcast. Shout out to the whole team. Another dope episode. Peace out. Recognize where you got the game. We got our own style, got our own slang. Northern California is a West Coast thing. This is the history of the Bay. Recognize where you got the game. We got our own style, got our own slang. Northern California is a West Coast thing. This is the history of the Bay.